0: And so it's just a joy to be able to, to be with you and to just worship our Lord together. Um, we are your missionary in Macedonia. That we're sent out by your church through the like, International Mission Board. And uh, we feel like we're a part of your church, whether you see us or not. That um, I was just saying, you know, like just this morning, that it's such a joy for me whenever like a team comes from Arkansas... When they go through the gates at the, you know, at the like, airport to see a bunch of hog hats and red shirts coming through. And it uh, just sends a joy to my you know, spirit as I see my fellow you know, hogs come through. And uh, our teammates are from LSU. Um, and they don't share that same joy necessarily from seeing all that uh, red shirts and red hats come through. But they're, you know, you know, that they're learning. So, um, but we enjoy having you guys over in Macedonia. Uh, it's, a, it's just an honor to be able to work with you whenever you send your groups over, and it's an honor to be with you just this morning. It's an honor to have been with you just over the summer. This is about our third or fourth time to, to be able to speak in front of a group with, you know, like with your church, once with the kids and then once with the um, like XYZ group and then, and then once we had a missions, uh, missions like fair type thing, you know, as well. And I actually had some people dancing at that thing. I don't know if you heard about that. that. That We had about six or seven of them up there doing this like Macedonian dance, which I'm not going to ask that today, but um, I will give you the list of those that did it. And so you, you, know, you can ask them to just model that dance for you. Um, but, we, but first of all, that I want you guys to hear us say just thank you. you know, just thank you for being part of what we do over there. Um, thank you for the prayers that you send. Um, as dad mentioned that we have some prayer cards in the you know like in the back and and just you guys know you know when you're praying for missionaries across seas we know it (laughs) Um, we can feel it you know that there are days where stuff happens and you're having a lousy day but you're able to share the gospel with some with somebody and then you get an email from some person saying hey that i prayed for you today you know or, or something like that and so we cherish your prayers we we know and we understand uh, what what praying can do. And so we thank you guys for praying with us. Um, and there's also a list of some specific prayer requests on a yellow sheet in the back. And so if you guys would you know grab that list and try to uh, learn how that you can pray more, uh, we thank you guys for uh, you know coming over just like I've said, that it's, it's such a fun time when your church sends somebody over and we're and we're able to, to, you know, like, just connect that bridge from Arkansas to Macedonia, and, and, you know, all of our people that we work with there, that they all say the same thing, that those guys from Arkansas are crazy, first of all, but second of all, that they just have such a joy and just a happiness within their hearts, and of course, that's, that that's from what Christ has done in our lives, and so, you know, it's an automatic, you know, just witnessing tool, and third is just your giving, you know, Um, that I always joked when I was a kid that, you know, the whole like, Lottie Moon, you know, Christmas offering was a big sham, I thought, and somebody was getting really rich, so they were buying new, you know, trucks or something off of it, but after being across seas and after meeting folks that are living in Asia and Africa that are being uh, faithful to share God's word, word in those nations, it's an honor to walk beside those men and women that I've met, knowing that, that they are faithful to God's call and that, and that they are faithful to that the mission that Southern Baptists have given them of carrying the gospel to all of the ethnic groups and all of the nations across this world. And so first, you know, so I say thank you for like, giving as well. Um, that our goal today is for you guys to kind of get a glimpse of what Macedonia looks like. And specifically what, what a church in Macedonia looks like and, and, and how that may be different than what we do or, or what we are. Of course that we know like a culture is different from place to place. That's always going to be the case, right? But what we find is, you know, as we even go deeper, those without Christ is a different culture than those that are living with Christ. And specifically, how we understand what church is and what church does. And so that's one of our goals as well, is that we try to help you guys understand how Macedonia is as far as the understanding of church. Now, that we're going to have to do this with a shorter podium. For some reason, this thing has been shortened, and I don't know why it's so small. It must be because of these two young men who is sitting down in front of me? So, like, if I have to hold up my Bible, that you'll understand, you know, like where that, where that came from. So, but we're gonna start off by showing you a little video clip that actually Taylor Snap made for us, and um, and it'll be really cool. So. <laughs> In Southeast Europe, there's the country of Macedonia. This small country has about 2.1 million people. About 65% of them are ethnic Macedonian. And of this group of people, about 98% of them claim Orthodox Christianity. They're actually very, very nominal when it comes to their faith, with each person having their own understanding of what that faith really means. Most people don't understand what it means to be a Christian. They think
1: that the teaching is not important, but it is more important to follow the rituals only, like lighting a candle for health. Some also think that because the Apostle Paul traveled through Macedonia, that makes it a holy nation, so they are born saved because of their ethnicity. A Christian in Macedonia means to accept Jesus as your Savior. However, most people believe in a Christian life, but have different understandings of it. For some, it means just to go to church and to fast. Being a Christian means going to the Orthodox Church. I see the church as an institution for people to go worship God and venerate the saints, and also light candles for your health. The Church is a place established by the Apostles to connect with God and view many
0: icons
2: For me, the Orthodox Church is a place to have money taken from you,
1: but it should mean the people come together and help those who are in need. My understanding of the Church is a fellowship of believers.
0: The Evangelical Church in Macedonia is slowly growing, um, but there's about 2,000 you know, Macedonians across the country that are involved in churches now, um, but that they are in a need for a lot of prayer. About five years ago that we moved to the town of Prelep, which has about 70,000 people in it, with a hope that we would be able to plant a church there. Because at the time that we knew that we moved there, there was not an Evangelical Church. Working with Macedonians, um, that we want to start a church that will be focused on not just following the uh, like rituals, but focused on God's word and on reading it and believing it and sharing it with other people. Uh, just this summer, that we were able to baptize six different people, and with this baptism, that we um, lay, that we are laying the foundation of this solid church that will exist there and that we're hoping
1: that this church will reach the, the whole city for the name of Christ. People in America should pray for our ability to sustain the church and its members in these tough moments. There have been many people fall back into orthodoxy. Also pray that the Lord changes the people and shows them not to follow traditions, but to live out the faith and form new fellowships.
2: Good morning. Can you hear me? Um. It is a joy to be and standing in front of you today, um, and we do want to help you understand more about what um, the people we are working with, and so you heard from a few people up there what they view the Orthodox churches, and we I want to walk you through as if you were coming to Macedonia as a Macedonian, walking through um, what they view as worship in their Orthodox churches. So if you can imagine, but before you do, I, w- I would like for you to to really think about, as you woke up this morning and you um, came to worship with this body of believers that you call family here, what was your motivation? What were you hoping to gain? What were you hoping to contribute? Um, why, um, how do you cultivate your relationship with God better because of this family of believers? And then, now I'm going to walk you through what they would, they would go through, a typical uh, Macedonian would go through. So imagine you enter, a, and look up here for the, the pictures that have a visual. So imagine you enter a dark and cold cathedral-like building, and you don't say a word, and you probably do this about two or three times a year. You speak to no one. In the front of the church is a room with a curtain where only the priests can enter. There are icons trimmed with gold everywhere you look. You go to buy, buy two candles— one candle is for a loved one who is sick to pray for them, and another candle you buy for a loved one who died about a year ago. You go and find your patron saint, and you kneel down before the icon, and you kiss it, and then you lay money down in front of it, and you pray to the icon um, for health or protection or whatever that specific icon stands for or um, is in charge of. And then, as as you're doing all this, all five senses are engaged because you can smell the incense burning, and you can hear the priest chanting, possibly even in a dialect you can't even understand. And you go to take communion if you've done all the required fasting that is required by the Orthodox calendar. All this you've done in silence, speaking to no one. You Exit to leave, but you can't turn your back, and you have to walk backwards out of the church. And as you hear this, what, as you thought about what you, what church means to you, not a building, but a body of believers, how is that different? How is that experience different for them? Um, They're missing the fellowship, um, study of God's word, the love um, of Christ, the worship of Christ alone. And so, Jeff's going to come up and talk a little bit more about what church, the church that is being built there by God, um, praise the Lord, um, is looking like and what we are about and how um, it looks a lot different than, than what they think church is.
0: Uh, when we talk to most Macedonians that their idea of church is just like she talked about, that it's an institution, um, it's something that is not personal to them. Uh, it's not, I mean, I'm, well, I'm sorry, that, that it's only personal to them. It's something that's, you know, like an individualistic thing. That I go to the church, I say a prayer, um, and then I leave. That there's no sense of like a community, of God's family, of God's body that are meeting together to encourage one another, to worship together, to be challenged from God's word, and God's word as our source of our faith. Um, and so that's very different, you know, like photo or like idea of what we're trying to do there, um, that our goal there is to be able to form groups that would be focused on God's word, upon like opening it and studying it and trying to understand what God is challenging us to. Um, that there's this perception of many Macedonians that God is something you cannot understand, uh, His will is not something you understand, and as a result of that, that there's a fear of God. Uh, of course, of course, that we should all fear God, but in a healthy way. But there's this you know, like a negative fear of God, meaning that I shouldn't even seek to know, like, anything about him because that, like, that that's not possible. And actually, that that's an idea that's actually encouraged from that the priest, you know, as well, that the priest themselves will say that you cannot open up God's Word and, and read it, you know, apart from an Orthodox priest trying to explain it to, to you. In fact, that they, that they would encourage this idea of God being far off, of God not being able to, made, to be made known. And so, and so as a result of that, many, many people, when that they think of faith, their idea is of this institution of the church and the priest being that their mediator, or, or the church itself being a mediator, like between God and us, versus what we believe is that Christ Jesus alone is our mediator. And through the power of Christ Jesus, we are actually able to understand who God is in what God's will is, and through reading his word and focusing on his word, that we're able to understand what God wants from us. And so that's what, what we seek to do. And, you know, for, we've been in our town for about five years, and for every one step forward, there, there's about 30 steps backwards. But we've seen a lot of cool things happen, that we've seen God move in a lot of different ways. And, you know, on uh, June the 2nd, that we actually had six people who were obedient in believers' baptism. Um, And since that time that there's actually been one more and so with those six or seven that we see God really starting to Lay the foundation of our church there, you know like in our town Uh, Total we have about 30 people Involved in our light Bible studies now like our Bible studies look a little different from what you may imagine um, That we meet in people's homes um, And then once a month or so that we bring all our groups together and try to let them uh, Just worship together, but when we meet together Uh, We open up the word, we challenge each other, that we talk about what it means and how it's applied to our life. We pray for one another, that we're doing the things that, you know, like the church is supposed to be about, you know, according to God's word. And so that's such a, you know, such such a different idea of what they understand church to be. And for many people, it's so foreign to them. But they really don't know what to do with it, you know, that they're scared to death when they come to like a Bible study for the first time because they think that we're going to do something foreign or something weird that's going to scar them for life, you know. But as that they come to us and, and as that they become a part of our group, that they start to see how practical God's word is and how practical it is for teaching and for our lives and for our marriages and then for, our, you know, like raising children as well. And so that's our goal is to show that God's word is not something that we take and we put upon our shelf like in a superstitious type of way, but it's actually something that God wants us to understand and to apply to our lives and to be living that out. And that is true faith. And that, and that is something that you guys have modeled every time you have come over. Uh, not some, like a, you know, like a religion as an institution, but as a personal faith in Christ Jesus of what Christ has done in your life. And that's our testimony to people that are living in Macedonia and to our town. So I'm going to ask, you know, my wife to come back up and kind of talk a little bit about something that God is doing in her heart.
2: I want to talk to you about God's faithfulness, and I'm, I hope each one of you can, um, without even having to think hard about it, could think about a way God's been faithful in your life. Um, and if you can't, I hope something happens this week. But God has been extremely faithful in my life. I'm going to read some verses. Um, it's from Second Timothy, sec, um, the second chapter, 11, 12 and 13. Here is a trustworthy saying, "If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I have so many people ask me, how do you do it? How do you do what you do? I don't know how you do it. They phrase it in different ways, but all that Bull done to, I can't. I can't. My ability to live overseas, um, my ability to speak Masterian language, to live there, to raise two children, doesn't come from me. It comes from the Lord. My confidence comes from him. And so... Um, I just want to tell you a story or kind of summary of we've been over there for seven years almost um, of my journey there. Um, it's, it's changed a lot. Um, three years ago, we were up here speaking. I may or may not have been very pregnant. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, we had one, a one-year-old and then having another child. Well, as we were coming back from that uh, on our furlough or stateside, I was ready, I was tired. Your first term, um, just to let you know as a if you know any missionaries, your first term is hard. You're adjusting to new things. new culture, new language, um, new difficulties that you didn't expect, unmet expectations. you name it. Um, I was ready. I know I was coming home, and I was excited to be coming home. We were here for six, seven months. I had my baby, and I was headed back we were headed back with a one-and-a-half-year-old and a a newborn. And to tell you the truth, if I was honest, and I will be honest, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was going back out of duty then out out of desire. Um, And that's okay. God will honor that, and he did. Um, But I want to just tell you the faithfulness of God in these last three years, um, how he's changed my heart. And... um, So two three months ago, we landed back on U.S. soil, and my heart had changed when we were when I when I landed. It wasn't that I was coming home; I left home. Um, again, all credit glory goes to God, how He has made that our home. Um, not just me, my four-year-old daughter, who is now four, made up a song as soon as we got here um, that I was a little worried about. She said. Um, This is not our home. We don't live here. We don't live anywhere. (laughs) Okay, are we scarring our kids? What's going on? And then she added a line that said, Macedonia, prelip, specifically, is our home. And they're already excited. We'll go back in two weeks from Tuesday. And they are ready to go back. Um, We're ready. The goodbyes are always hard. It doesn't get easier. But God is faithful, and he... um, gives us the desire to go back, um, and the the love for the people that, as Jeff will tell you, compels us. And so um, I just want to encourage you today that no matter what God has called you to do, how big or how you may think small, if you're you not qualified, um, that saying where he calls, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call is true, He gives you the ability. He will give you um, the ability to do whatever he is calling you to do. And just make sure you give all glory and credit to him. And so um, I pray as we leave today that that's what you remember most. Um, Not necessarily our faces, but just that God is faithful. And he is um, worthy of all of our praise. And he uses a very imperfect family um, to be the aroma of Christ there in Macedonia. Um, and he will use you.
0: I thought I was perfect, so I guess she just explained that I'm not. Um, What I want to do now is just uh, read a little bit from Scripture about what God is starting to challenge me with, um, especially as we go back for this next term. Um, It's something that is a challenge to my heart, and it's kind of been, you know, like shaking me up a little bit, Um, and it's kind of a, you know, like a challenge, I think, that each one of us needs to hear. Uh, it's from Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, really, that we're going to read from verse 14 down to maybe 18 or so. I think that the scripture is up on the screen as well. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from, from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And all this from, and all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of, of reconciliation, which is a, you know, one of those words that we probably don't use a lot, but it's going to be kind of the theme of what we're going to talk about here. First of all, let's go to back to verse 14 here. This word "compel" it's an interesting word. Uh, it's kind of a harder word that um, we don't use it quite often. You know, um, it comes from this idea of, of of some type of pressure. It's to press together, to constrain, to control. Um, but it's just something that that gives us a motivation, so we are compelled to do something. What it is not is a is a control or a power that that's from external means. Meaning, um, if you can imagine some prisoners, that maybe that they've been in war, um, and now they're being led to a certain wall or to a tree that they're going to line up in front of and that the other side is going to take their lives and shoot them. Uh, that's not something that they are compelled to do, that they, that they are not compelled to go to their place of death, are they? It's something that's external. It's something that's being forced upon them, okay? But this word here is not that meaning of this word control. But it actually comes from you have a reason to go to that place, okay? You have a goal in mind, that there's something that's starting to impact your heart that gives you this motivation to do that. Uh, That another idea is instead of prisoners heading to their death, It's, you know, if you've ever flown through like airport, uh, you know, gate thing, gate thing, I don't know if that's a word, but, uh, you know, that you're a crowd and you all come from different places and that you slowly, slowly as you get closer to this point that you start to form a line, right? And so your goal is to actually get through the gate, you know, put your shoes back on, you got to put your belt back on, but your goal is to get to the other side especially if you're traveling across seas with two little children that are running around everywhere, and you know, like everyone around you is giving these, these bad looks that you don't know how to raise your children and all that kind of stuff. You're trying to get as quickly as possible to the other side. I mean, that's your goal is to get through that security to get to the other side. So you have a motivation for your life. It's what you're compelled to do. And that's the word that Paul uses here. We are compelled Now, in context um, of what we are compelled to do, Paul is talking about actually being a light for Christ, okay, sharing God's word, Uh, being a Christian, not in name only, as like a lot of our Macedonians are, but to one who has truly chosen to surrender themselves to God, to choose to follow Christ, to be a true believer. In fact that we oftentimes in Macedonia, we don't actually use the word Christian, that we use That the term believer, because many, many people say that they're a Christian, but this term believer or a Christ follower goes a lot deeper to that. So that's, so that's this idea that Paul is using. So then he, so then he starts to explain what is compelling us or what is being this motivating factor. He says for Christ's love, actually in that the Greek it says for the love of Christ. Now, this can be translated for the love of Christ is actually the love for Christ. So, so it's something that a person has for Christ. Okay? So a person has love for Christ. And so because he has that love for Christ, that, that is his motivating factor to serve him. Okay? That's your motivating factor to work with those crazy children that are in the other uh, you know, like building over there. That's your motivating factor for. Uh, sharing with that lost person at work or those other students in your school or being that godly mother or father. So that's one way in which this sentence or this word could be translated. It's, it's focused on the love that you have for Christ. But in context, I think a better, tra- you know, like a better translation or, or like a better understanding of this is Christ's love that he has for people. Okay, For Christ so loved the world that he gave us. You know, life for them. Okay, so that's a lot different. One is we're talking about the love that I may have for someone versus the love that Christ has for someone. In fact, that we actually know that because it says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, who is the focus on? That the focus is not upon me, upon how I feel upon if I have love or not, but the focus is upon whether Christ has love or not, and Christ does, right? That the focus is upon Christ himself who gave himself, whose love does not change from day to day, right? Because, I mean, that let's be honest, whatever ministry that God has called you to do or whatever service God has called you to do, your joy may leave from one day to the next, or even from one minute to the next. If you have kids that you understand that you're feeling all great, and then that they do something, and then you suddenly change, and you know, life goes bad. Why? Because you're focused upon yourself, you see? That your reason for ministry, or your reason for loving other people, or your, or your reason for being God's light to a lost world is focused upon yourself. It's focused on myself, but when I remember, and what Paul is challenging us with this, it's not that we are compelled based upon whether I have love or not for someone else, We are compelled because Christ loves them. And so the focus changes from me to Christ. And because he has love. Christ has love today for that person. It doesn't change. He will have that tomorrow, in the next day, in the next day, in the next day. Christ's love does not change. And we are compelled to share the gospel. We are compelled to be the light to the dark world with our students you know, with our fellow students, with our boss at work, with our lost family members, with our own children, with the ministries that he has us at church, with, and, and that the list goes on and on, we are compelled to do that because Christ loves them. But I was talking to somebody a while back, and this sweet young girl was talking about, um, she was involved in ministry, and she talked about how, uh, because she didn't have the love for the people that she was supposed to be working with, um, she really felt like she wasn't supposed to work with them, or she was just supposed to wait until she had that love, you know, again, that she had lost the love, that passion, she had lost that, that will to try to serve God, and so she was basically saying, because I don't have that love, then I'm not going to do it. And I think that's something that's going around in our churches today, and in, in our thoughts, that we put the focus upon ourselves Whether I have a will or a passion, you know, to serve God, to be faithful to Him, to give when I need to give, to love when I need to love. Well, guess what, guys? Our focus doesn't need to be upon ourselves. That we should repent of the fact that if we do not have love for other people, and that we pray that God will give us that love, but our focus is not upon the people, our focus is upon the fact the fact, the gospel, that Christ loves those people. Okay? And so whether I'm called to be a missionary in Bryan, Arkansas, or across this nation, or to a different country, that focus is still the same because Christ loves those people. I am compelled. I am motivated. Beyond anything that I can understand or desire, I am compelled to love, and I am compelled, and I am compelled to share the gospel with those that are dying and going to hell because Christ loves them. The focus must be in is on Christ Jesus. And that's what the difference, and that's what gives us energy, right? Because, see, we kind of put our own feelings aside, and we kind of put our own emotions aside and our own joy or lack of joy aside, and we are faithful to God because we know that Christ loves them. And so he continues on. Verse 16, it says, So from now on that we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of just reconciliation. Now, as I try to understand what this means to me at this point, that, you know, the fact that we're about to go back to Macedonia again and to start this new term, um, trying to understand what this means to me in a very practical way—that um, I understand it in the terms of um, A plus B will equal C. Okay, I think that's a, maybe a math thing. I mean, I don't know that I did go to school in Arkansas, so I don't—I'm not too great in math. But uh, A plus B equals C. Okay, to give you an example, A is Jeff loves bluebell ice cream. Okay, that—that that, yeah, I heard it. I heard that. That is a fact. It's something that my wife will tell you that that is a fact. In fact, if you could put Bluebell in a box and mail it to Macedonia, I would be very appreciative, but you can't do that. So instead of that, just put some Dr. Pepper in the box and we'll be just fine. But the fact of the matter is Jeff loves Bluebell ice cream. In fact, I've gained about 20 pounds just this summer just from eating this. So that's A, Jeff loves Bluebell ice cream. B, somebody. Puts a bowl of bluebell ice cream in front of Jeff. That's B, right? A plus B will result in C. What's C? Jeff is going to eat that bowl of ice cream. I promise you. You know it's going to happen. So as we look at verse 16 and 17, that we see A, a person who is born again, who has surrendered themselves to Christ, who is following Christ. We regard no one from a worldly point of view we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. How I view people has radically changed, has radically changed. I no longer see them from a worldly point of view, okay? I know that I no longer see, you know, see them as a hog fan or, you know, or like an Alabama fan. I see them as God sees them. That I no longer see them even as my boss, you know, at work or that student in, you know, in my class or that guy who lives next to me or or this guy who's always causing me problems, right? I no longer see that person from a worldly point of view. I see that person as whether they know my Christ, my Jesus, or they don't. That's A. My perception of them has changed. I no longer see them as Muslim. I no longer see them as Hindu. I no longer see them, and then, you know, like you add to the list, I see them as my fellow brother or sister or somebody who's outside the family who needs Christ Jesus. And so my worldly point of view has radically changed. Why? Because I see them how God sees them. A. B. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I've been radically changed. Radically changed. I'm a new creation. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. What is important to me has totally changed. I am a new creation. Uh, It's interesting throughout the Bible how when God meets with people, many times he changes their name. You know, from, from like Abraham to like Abraham, from Saul to Paul. I'm sure there's other, you know, accounts of that. But it's interesting how their name changes. I have changed. If I have given myself to Christ, if I have surrendered myself to Christ, I am a new creation. So not only do how I view people has changed, but I myself has changed. I have changed. I am a new creation. And that will result in something, right? Jeff will eat that bowl of ice cream. See, I haven't given this ministry of reconciliation. What we're talking about is the fruit of my Christian faith, the fruit of my life in Christ Jesus, will result in my desire and me being compelled, be me being having this ultimate passion to share that with people who don't know him. Um, I love coming to worship within a church setting. I do. Uh, and it's an, such a joy for us to be able to do it in our heart language, which, of course, is English. Well, we're like, we're like redneck English, I guess. But still, to be a part of this church and to be a part of a worship service and worship God through our songs, it's an awesome thing, is it not? You know? And, and, and that's an awesome feeling that we get to come together as the church. But just like the song, you know, that we sing, you know, earlier, I'll bring you more than a song because the song in itself is not what the goal is, right? Guys, and, 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 then, and then we sing another song that we want to draw nearer to God. You know, that our focus is not to draw nearer to God in some place that's at the front of the church but for us to draw nearer to God as we're being faithful to Him and as we're bearing fruit for Him and as we go outside the walls of this church and as we impact this like community and this nation and you know, like this world. Because worshiping God is a lot more than with song. It is an action that we do in service to Him because we are compelled. That we are compelled because we understand who Christ is and what He has done in our own life. And we are compelled to take that to the world. And it is the fruit of a true believer. It is the fruit of somebody who has, been, who has been changed by Christ in such a radical way. It is not the fruit of somebody who just calls himself a Christian by name only. but It is the fruit of someone who understands who Christ is. Just this week, I had a... This past week, I had an opportunity to see a friend of mine from high school. And it's been... I don't know how long I graduated, but it's been a long time... And this guy was a good friend of mine, and, and I knew him. And I've kind of kept up with a little bit, you know, since what happened to high school. And he started going down a, a path that, I mean, obviously it's not Christian, you know. Um, and to see him this past week, and to know that he's come to, to know the Lord over this past year, it is a radical difference that I see in his life. Radical. The first thing he talks about is Jesus. It's not his work or his kids or his life that he lives, but it's his just relationship that he has with Christ Jesus. And then he's talking about this mission trip that he plans to go on. Okay? Now now this is somebody who a year ago probably couldn't spell mission trip, but but at this point in his life, because he understands what Christ has done for him and he understands what that message needs to needs to be told to other people, this is a person who has radically change. Why? Because he has understood what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus, what it means to pick up your cross and to deny yourself and to follow him. Um, and that's what our goal is as, as believers, and that's what our goal is as across seas in Macedonia, is to not only preach that to other people, to new believers, to those who don't know him, but actually to do it ourselves, you know, because it's a lot easier to preach it than it is to actually do it, right? Um, But that's what we're being challenged with, and that's what our goal is, is how to do that and just model that to those that are living in Macedonia. And I don't know what God has for you, you know. I don't know what area that you serve in. I don't know what your area of influence is. But God is calling you, if you're a follower of Christ, to do the same thing. So let's pray. God, Lord, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity to be with my church, Lord. And God, I pray that you would continue to.